Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is going to be our live cast on the subject of polyamory. And in this uh, quarantined era, you know, we're all stuck in the house and we're all we're all thinking about, you know, what things might I like to try? And perhaps polyamory seems mm, appealing to you. And so I am so fortunate to be quarantined here with my significant other, with Mrs. Roseland. How are you doing today, babe? Nice to have you join me. We are going to be delving into polyamory and cuckoldry (laughs) in this uh, live cast. So if you're the kind of person, maybe you've heard of this book, Sex at Dawn, and you're just a bit curious about these sorts of things, well, we are going to be delving into all that. But I thought what we would do for uh, entertainment value, for the illustrative value, is I want to listen to an anecdote. (laughs) I found this amazing anecdote. I found this guy's story all about polyamory here on the Let's Read YouTube channel. This is a great YouTube channel or podcast channel. I'm a big fan of it, so we're going to listen in to it. This happened a few years back. The worst thing I've ever gone through. Since this is going to be completely anonymous, I'm going to be able to tell you the entire truth of what happened. Writing this out has been a big revelation for me. I didn't realize how bad the situation was and how stupid I had been. It also made me realize I have incredibly low self-esteem and a horrible self-image. I've been working on these things since this experience and I've been going through therapy regularly. After something like this, I really needed it. I was in my early 30s. I was single and didn't have any luck in finding a good girlfriend. Never had a relationship last longer than a year. I didn't know what I had been doing wrong for all the time and a part of me started to believe that I was incapable of keeping a girl around. This was a couple of years back now and I found myself looking for a potential partner on Craigslist. You guys have it easy these days with all the apps and stuff around. Dating on Craigslist was honestly tough. The dating scene on Craigslist in my area was populated enough that I had never lost hope in finding someone. I didn't have the confidence to approach a stranger and didn't even know where I would do that if I did have the confidence. Someone had posted on Craigslist that they were interested in finding a guy for a potential group activity, if you get my drift. They claimed it was a girlfriend and a boyfriend who were interested in experimenting. I figured that I didn't have anything to lose and if they turned out to be weird or something I could just leave. I messaged them and we got in touch. We agreed to meet and see what happened on one Friday night. It has been about six months since my last relationship and I was excited to be getting some action. I met them at a bar in the downtown area of my city. The girl, let's call her Natalie, was very pretty but her boyfriend wasn't the most attractive in the world. He was really overweight and pretty ugly if I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't really care how he looked though, I was more interested in her. We went back to their place and things took a surprising turn. She told her boyfriend to go wait in the other room while we had her fun. I thought that this was going to be one of those group kind of things and I didn't expect this but hey, I wasn't complaining. After we finished, she started telling me that she was feeling really unsatisfied with her boyfriend. She told me that she had been looking for another guy to come into the relationship who could better satisfy her needs. She told me that her boyfriend was honestly too obese to participate. I almost didn't believe her at first, but she said it with a dead serious face and had clearly put some thought into what she was going to say to me. She told me that she would love to date the two of us and be in a polyamorous relationship. I told her that I would give it some thought. I basically got the vibe that I was going to be used and that was about it. I figured that I couldn't complain. That's a dream for most guys. We had a couple of more experiences before we all agreed on what this was going to be. Two months into the relationship, I moved in with them. I didn't interact with him all that much. 
We had a few conversations, but it was honestly pretty awkward. After all, I was only here because he was too big to really please his girlfriend. I'm sure that was in a healthy frame of mind to be in. As time went on, our relationship expanded. We had brought two more people into our relationship, a girl and a transgender. Everyone was always pretty nice and nothing ever happened without approval. I understand this probably sounds extremely strange, but it worked. At least it seemed to work. The entire relationship revolved around Natalie. We eventually started renting a house that could provide us all of our own rooms except for Natalie. She didn't have a room of her own. She would just sleep in a different room almost every night. I always looked forward to the nights when she slept in my bed. I also noticed that there was a dynamic where being nice to Natalie meant that she was more likely to sleep in your bed that night. So it turned into a big competition of who could buy her the most stuff or do things for her that would make her happy. I didn't see it at the time, but that's exactly the way the entire relationship dynamic was set up, and I completely fell into the trap. I remember buying these expensive steak dinners and cooking them for her in hopes that she would sleep in my bed that night. I remember when there was this one occasion when I had bought Natalie a new necklace, brought her home a special dinner, and did all of her laundry that day. I really wanted her to myself that night, but her original boyfriend had gone out of his way to pay all of her bills for the month, which normally didn't happen. Me and him started arguing, and things got a little confrontational. Thankfully, it didn't get violent. Natalie may have been a manipulative devil, but she was good at diffusing these tense situations. I remember a couple of times when we would sit down and have these group chats where we discussed what was on our minds. I brought this topic up and said that it wasn't fair how Natalie got everyone to do her favors. It felt like it created a competition and we had to compete for her love and acceptance. Now it had probably been about 14 months of living with them and being in this polyamorous relationship. The night I said that, I could tell that she was extremely offended that I had even thought this. She stopped sleeping in my bed after that. The dynamic had completely changed. It didn't matter how much effort I put into getting her to sleep with me after that, she never did. And as desperate as it might sound, I really needed her love and acceptance. I started feeling really bad about myself and I couldn't stand it. It was about a month later when she sat me down and told me that it would be best if I packed my things and moved out. She said the chemistry just wasn't there anymore. My heart was broken. I couldn't believe it. As strange as it may have seemed, I have really grown accustomed to this lifestyle and I couldn't imagine not living this way anymore. I was about to go from living with other people to living alone. And that night I honestly thought about ending my own life. I went for a drive right after she told me that and almost drove off the bridge. I started going, but something in me snapped and I decided not to. When I got back home, I packed my things, went to a motel room for a few days, and found an apartment to live in alone. That was a really dark time in my life. I reached back out to my parents and ended up moving back to my hometown. The whole ordeal was miserable and had nearly driven me to ending my own life. I found a decent job and started going to therapy and that was when I had really started to connect the dots. This relationship was never about new experiences or loving as many people as possible. It really was about Natalie making us compete for her attention. She had this savior complex and treated all of us like we were less than her. Less than nothing sometimes. It was extremely psychologically manipulative and I can't believe how easily I fell for it. It was only after a few therapy sessions that it all became so clear. I've been single since then, and I spent most of my time with my family now. My sister has kids of her own, and I've gotten really close with them. They are really nice kids, and a part of me really wishes I had kids of my own. I'm not really sure if I'm going to start looking to date again, maybe ever. It's been a few years since I moved back home, and I'm honestly really scared of ever trying to be in a normal relationship again. Whatever happens the rest of my life, though, I'm... Happy I at least still have a family that loves and accepts me, where I don't have to compete for attention like some kind of puppy in an animal shelter. <laughs> what? An idiot. What do you think of that guy, babe? Oh, I think he's a moron. Yes. 
Where do you think he went wrong? He went wrong on many levels. Like all, like all of them. <laughs> he went wrong on all the levels. Exactly. First of all, he allowed himself to be demeaned by a woman. Yes. Yeah. Because there's this, this hoe, Natalie, this, this Craigslist hoe, and she's just on rotation between different bedrooms. I shudder to think of the uh, diversity of genetic material that could be found on Natalie's, uh, on Natalie's panties, don't you? <laughs> yeah, and Daniel here says that he was a submissive lettuce. Of submissive lettuce? Yeah. Like a like like, like a lechuga lettuce? Yes. Really? Yes. That's oh what my Daniel gosh. Says. Okay. Yeah. So we don't we don't want to be like that anymore. I would a say wet lettuce. Yes. 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 Sleazy. I, I would add sleazy. Yeah. We don't want to be a lettuce. You don't want to be the lettuce no. in the relationship like this guy was, because it's so. All of his behavior was so passive. He starts by agreeing to be in a relationship with a woman who has a fat boyfriend, it sounds like. A beast. Yeah, yeah. And then he agrees to move in with her. But I think, okay, when I heard this story, I knew things were going really, really wrong from the moment that he says he went on Craigslist to find a date. <laughs> when you're going on Craigslist to... Luke? To, Why Luke, Daniel? To satisfy... Luke? Luke. Is that another... That's another guy in our audience. Oh, okay. So when you're going on Craigslist to satisfy some of your bodily urges, there's just there's just nothing good that comes of that in my view. The Daily Rouge V colleague. Luke. Oh, that pickup artist that you showed us. Oh yes, Luke. Luke Luke from RSD. Yes. Yeah, no 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 no. That this is this guy's behavior of going on Craigslist. And then agreeing to move in with people is like extreme desperation. And actually, can we mute this so sure, I can't sure, hear sure. my voice coming through it? That'd be great. So guys out here, please don't don't do what this guy does. I think that story is, I think, probably just of humorous value more than anything else. Because I think anybody with any damn common sense would know not to get themselves into that sort of situation so do you think that guy should have like told the girl to break up with the fat guy and just get with him do you think there was any way that he could have salvaged his uh, uh his harem situation with natalie well first of all i think she was a manipulative bitch yeah it sure sounds like it yes she was a very manipulative bitch who only cared about herself and her own comfort. Mm-hmm. And she was probably looking for someone like that guy, you know, to do her favors. Mm-hmm. And maybe he also gave her money. He bought her stuff. <laughs> he bought her steaks and cooked her steaks. Yes. So maybe that's what she was looking for. Maybe she would have turned him down if he had wanted a real relationship with her. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, parents fail to warn their sons about predatory females. We have plenty of warnings about predatory males, but there's also plenty of predatory females out there. And apparently they can be found on Craigslist. <laughs> Daniel said it was his paradigm of desperation and scarcity. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it's unfortunate that in his synopsis, he, you know, doesn't conclude something like, well, I'm going to try to meet a little bit nicer girl instead. He has based, it sounds like he's kind of given up hope 
And that's that's really tragic. There's no reason to give up hope. There's there's a lot of fish in the sea. There are decent people out there in the world. And I am thinking that there's going to, you know, the, the polyamorous people out there and the cucks of the world and the Natalies, the, the Natalies of the world, the, the Craigslist skanks of the world. I'm thinking that they're all having a, a much rougher time now that we have the coronavirus in place. <laughs> I have seen several articles across the internet about how the coronavirus is really, really kind of, you know, messing with people's polyamorous game. Because when there's a, a global pandemic, when everyone is concerned with contagious diseases, it, the absurdity of this these kind of relationships just becomes really obvious, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I would agree. Okay. So some of you are thinking, okay, okay, Jonathan, this is, you know, a kind of worst case scenario of some total naive idiot trying out the polyamorous thing. Isn't there a way to make it work? Like, and there's probably some, maybe some guys out there that are into the pickup artist scene and they're saying, you know what? I am a, I have some seduction skills. Um, I'm not interested in being a husband or a father. Maybe not quite yet. Maybe not at all. There must be a way for me to make this polyamory thing kind of, kind of work. And there's been a book about this. Yes, babe. Oh, Sex at Dawn? Right. Yeah, so there was this book that was all about this subject. And this was like a New York Times best-selling book. It was by Christopher Ryan. And I wrote a, a scathing, scathing article that I'll share a couple of sections with at this point. It's a pretty long article. It's kind of, it's kind of long. long I know, I know. I'm, it's just uh, rich with trenchant incisive prose, is it not? Rapier wit. A rapier wit driving driving through the heart of the cucks out there. So the article was called Against Cucks, and I wanted to address what I think is, is faux-edgy. I think it's not real edgy. I think it's faux-edgy non-monogamy. And I also created a really, a really clever slide. I created one of my iconographical slides to go with this. So you're going to want to go and see that. You'll get a chuckle out of it. So it's very entertaining. Thanks, babe. Okay. So the, so there was two guys speaking, Christopher Ryan and Aubrey Marcus. And a lot of you might know about Aubrey Marcus. He is another big personality in the fitness biohacking space. He was the founder of a company called Onnit dot com and they were joking about how people always call them cucks they were saying aha we're we are cucks ha 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 right and so i wanted to explain this a little bit so this four-letter word that is so cavalierly thrown about on the internet has layers of depth and nuance and i'll explain why so many men are calling these two cucks and why it is a deservedly derogatory term. So they're discussing this books, this book, Sex at Dawn, which is about how humans are naturally promiscuous and non-monogamous. And the book has a pretty obvious message, which is that humans are animals and we like to fuck. We naturally want to maximize hedonism, minimize effort, enjoy novelty, and we tend to be promiscuous. That's the uh, TLDR of the book. And so Aubrey, who I will suggest that everyone go and check out this guy's Instagram. I followed him on Instagram for a while. He is an Instagram celebrity. He is a larger-than-life kind of figure. He's a successful entrepreneur. He's uh, not even that good looking. My wife doesn't think he's that good looking. I, I think he's in pretty good shape as he is a health guru and 
And he's an internet celebrity. And he has implemented the message of the book, Sex at Dawn. He, he took this, self-help, this book and he said, oh, this is a self-help book. I'm going to become a cuck, literally. <laughs> and he also explains, and you can find plenty of his material on the internet if you'd like. He actually has a book that I think I'm going to read because he does have some interesting biohacking, life hacking stuff. But he also explains how he encourages his, he had encouraged his long-term girlfriend slash fiance that he lives with to date and sleep around with other men. So he was a uh, a self-implemented cuck, quite literally. Well, maybe they are even married now. Who knows? I don't follow them on Instagram anymore, so I don't know. They might be married. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he ever published a picture of them getting married. I'm sure he would have if he had. So in numerous podcasts and articles, he talks about the jealousy and mental anguish of letting his girlfriend fuck other guys, which is understandable, right? He emphasizes that this is not an easy lifestyle. And so this guy, he is a hardcore professional biohacker with access to an amazing array of stress relief and mindfulness tools and technology. And using all of these really amazing mindfulness, stress relief techniques and technologies, he manages to to cope with the jealousy of letting his girlfriend get railed by <laughs> by other guys that are out there. And so I've I've watched Maybe he loves to watch Tom. He doesn't talk about that. He this is one of these guys that just overshares way too much on the internet, I think. You know, a lot of times we probably share a bit too much on the internet. There's there's certain things that should be kept private. Oh, yes, right? Definitely. And he's never brought he's never brought he's never brought that up. And so what I thought was crazy about this is this is a guy who he owns a cryotherapy chamber, which like cryotherapy is one of the most hardcore tools for dealing with stress. And uh, I think a cryotherapy t- chamber costs many thousands of dollars. I think if you want to do it once, what is it? Is, isn't it like $70 to do it here? Yeah, it's, it's pretty expensive. And so this guy owns a cryotherapy chamber. He does it every day. And, with, and he does all sorts of uh, all the real woo-woo meditation stuff. All the things that are pretty good for stress management, which we should all be interested in. We should all implement as much as we can in the stress management area. But even using all of this stuff, he is like pretty bothered by the jealousy of, you know, his girlfriend with some other guy's dick in her mouth. <laughs> on the weekends. So to me, I just say, what what terrible advice to give normal people that because normal people are just going to be consumed by the jealousy, I think. Going moving forward. Presumably, Aubrey also gets to date and sleep with other women. But on numerous podcasts of his that I've listened to, he never talks about all the hot sex and good times that he's having outside of his relationship. He just whines and sometimes jokes about being jealous of his girlfriend sleeping around. I'm really not hearing about the upsides of cuckoldry from Aubrey. And like I said, I followed this guy on Instagram for about a year. He would post like 10 stories a day. And I have known men that were promiscuous men that were hooking up with a lot of women. And it was exceedingly obvious from their social media. And it doesn't look like Aubrey is enjoying all of that. It looks like he's just getting the jealousy side of things. I I suspect that he is really getting the short end of this deal. His girlfriend, you can also go and look her up. She's also very, very public about all of this. I'm not, you know, sharing anything that they haven't shared numerous, numerous times on their own platform here. 
she's a fit, attractive, and somewhat internet famous woman. I'm sure that her options for secondary relationships are boundless. To go on a hot date and get laid, all she has to do is say yes to one of the hundreds of proposals that I'm sure she receives weekly as a hot chick on the internet with thousands of followers. But the dating marketplace is very different for men. To get a date, men have to swipe their smartphones thousands of times or approach dozens of women on the street. I also suspect that the women that Aubrey is sleeping with on the side are a real downgrade from his girlfriend in both looks and personality. If the other women he's hooking up with are really hot, he'd probably be showing them off on Instagram the way that Dan Bilzerian, Blazerian, Blazerian, might not be pronouncing that right, mm -hmm. does. You know who I'm talking about, babe. Yeah, yeah, I do. You, you go and look at that guy's Instagram and you can say, okay, yeah, this is a guy that's enjoying abundance. Sleeping with a man who's literally a cuck and advertises it is not the behavior of a true high-quality woman and certainly not of a virtuous woman. I imagine that there are women who want to sleep with Aubrey because he is a good-looking, fit guy and an internet celebrity, but I can't imagine that any of them are actually decent people who would make a good partner. And, mm -hmm. and I had wrote this article a long time ago before me and my wife were even in a very serious relationship. And so I wrote hypothetically, I said, you know what, if I knew that taking Aubrey's advice and, you know, opening and actually he I think he did a PDF ebook on this he did a PDF ebook on how you can open up your relationship and so I thought to myself you know if I knew that opening up our relationship would result in in my having a a harem like a sultan of sexy young women who are just worshiping my cock then then I I, I would be quite tempted to do it you know but it really what it I would have ended up alone in with you, yes, mm -hmm. with you, yes, most certainly. But if we're looking, if we're listening to Aubrey and and following his Instagram, where he seems to be broadcasting almost every moment of his life, it sounds like it is just a frustrating pain in the ass. I for the people out there that are considering polyamory, I would just urge you to go and listen to the stories of people because the people that do polyamory, they broadcast their stories nonstop. And you're just going to hear endless stories of people having jealousy, of ridiculous drama, of um, bad people being invited into beds you're going to hear about all of these uh all of these boundaries that are getting crossed you're going to hear about diseases and stds and pregnancies and people getting into fights it just seems like it's so much more trouble than it's worth definitely what about you do you have any girlfriends that have ever done this sort of thing? Um, I don't think so. I don't make friends with, with such kind of women. Mm -hmm. All my friends are pretty monogamous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're here in Bulgaria where people tend to have just a bit more common sense <laughs> than yes. they do in a lot of places. Yes, they're pretty monogamous and they take monogamy from the start of a relationship, you know, like, um, as a given, mm -hmm. by default. Mm -hmm. We have monogamous relationships here in Bulgaria mm -hmm. by default. Mm -hmm. Don't pound the desk next to the microphone, please. Sorry. I know you're making this point very passionately. <laughs> it's an interesting cultural difference. 
in the USA or a number of other places, people kind of assume in the beginning, they assume non, non-monogamy. But that's something very different about, you know, a country that has a little bit more common sense, that's got a little bit more of like, of just decency between the sexes, is that people are assuming monogamy from almost the first date, would you yes. say? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. All right, well, well, let me make... Actually, actually, let me, let me explain. Uh, if the first date goes over well, uh, there should be a second one. And maybe after, let's say, the, the fifth date, the people are official, like... Mm-hmm. They're explicit. Yeah, so by the time they have sex, they are going to be... And they're exclusive. They're going to be exclusive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll make a couple of philosophical points. So here's why we call people like Aubrey and even Chris Ryan. Here's why we call them cucks. Obviously, monogamy is not natural. But civilization is rising above our animal desires and impulses. Civilization was not built by men just trying to optimize their sexual hedonism. I'd urge people to go and read some historical biographies of great inventors, explorers, entrepreneurs, or statesmen. They lived these stoic lives of self-discipline and self-sacrifice devoted to a higher cause. They were not obsessed with finding weird or sadomasochistic ways to express their sexuality. And then in my article, I have some photos that everyone should go and check out of the matriarchal Musao tribe of China. And when you hear people like Chris Ryan advocating for polyamory, you'll hear them talking about people like the Musao tribe in China. And this is a tribe where they never slut shame women. They're like slut shaming is just like not allowed in this culture. And not coincidentally, the average yearly income for this tribe is 150 to 200 dollars so they're extremely poor uh even for chinese standards i think 150 dollars a year to 200 dollars a year that is that is extreme that's extreme poverty and electricity is considered a luxury there so you can go and look at the pictures and you can go and look up the masao tribe on on uh, wikipedia if you want and you can see just what sort of civilization and society is created by a culture that doesn't slut shame. Are they still alive? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're still alive. They're they're still there. Yeah, our <laughs> you you could go there and Our listener Moen is asking. Oh, yeah, go look them up. I mean, they're still there. They're not like an extinct tribe. There are different matriarchal tribes around the world. They're, they're different tribes around the world that don't practice monogamy, that specifically practice polyamory, and they are the kind of people that uh, sleep on dirt at night as opposed to sleeping Ew. sleeping on beds at night. There seems, there, there's, a, there, there's an undeniable causality in between having kind of a patriarchal nature of society along with some slut-shaming and monogamy. These things result in a decent standard of living. So the exotic cultures that Chris writes about in his book, which don't practice, practice monogamy, are all the same cultures that were scratching around in the mud while our monogamous Christian culture, Western civilization, was inventing airplanes and curing polio. So we call Aubrey and Chris cucks because they're selfishly prioritizing their own selfish gratification over what's actually good for children and society in the long term. They're sacrificing civilization on the altar of the utmost primacy of sexual hedonism. Everything 
is less important than making their dicks happy. Oh, geez. Our listener, Tom Foolery, says, amazing what a culture that doesn't ego worship. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have plenty of evidence that widespread sexual liberation is quite bad for society. And you guys are going to want to check out the article that is going to be linked below wherever you're listening to this podcast. As I link to my evidence here, I'm not just ranting ideologically. I have evidence for what I'm, for, for the conclusions that I've reached here that I have such a righteous indignation about. So the catastrophic level of divorce tried is tied to sexual liberation. The tragedy of single motherhood that ruins the childhoods of so many children. You can go and look at the statistics on children that get raised by single mothers. They, uh, they have a really rough time and they tend to do really poorly as adults uh, as a result of sexual liberation. We wouldn't have a whole lot of single mothers without sexual liberation. The demographic decline of our countries can be tracked back to sexual liberation. Uh, feminism that is wrecking our countries politically. The vast number of attractive young women who jeopardize their futures and ruin their lives by entering the porn industry for the promise of easy cash and celebrity. This one, of course, can be tied back to the sexual liberation movement. You can go and watch the documentary, I think it's called Hot Girls Wanted, and then I, it was such a popular documentary. It was so stunning what you saw in this documentary that I think they made a Netflix television show following up with it, and it just shows how vast numbers of really naive, uh, attractive girls who are like in between about 18 and 21 years old, they go and enter the porn business and they get paid hardly anything. And then they carry around the stigma for the rest of their lives of having uh, been porn, of having worked in porn. And almost none of them end up succeeding and they have all sorts of health problems. It's really quite heartbreaking, and we have sexual liberation to thank for that. Along with the hashtag MeTooVictimCulture, uh, false rape hysteria, and the real rapes that are enabled by our YOLO culture of irresponsibility and intoxication, and then also the hordes of men that are going MGTOW, who are retreating away from women and society into the pixel pleasure world of porn and video games. And I have a personal anecdote that I want to tell for anyone who's not convinced that sexual liberation is kind of a bad thing. A few years ago, an old childhood friend of mine married his beautiful young girlfriend who he had a daughter with. They seemed very happy together, and the marriage was a truly joyous merger of two families that got along famously. At their wedding, I remember thinking, this is the start of something really great. To my surprise, about six months later, they announced that they were getting divorced. It turned out that my friend's young wife got drunk one night and cheated on my friend. He was deeply ashamed and decided to divorce. So thus, uh, another single mother was created and the burgeoning friendship between the two families was blown up. My friend's young daughter goes to daycare when she's not being juggled between her two single parents. Uh, there's signs that she's going to have a troubled childhood. And this is what you get with sexual liberation, she's a folks. Little girl. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you brainwash with sexual liberation, you brainwash people from the youngest age that they should just do whatever feels good to them in the moment. 
countless songs and everything on TV repeats this message that sex is just a toy that exists for your enjoyment. The women are wonderful message gets repeated everywhere, convincing women that they don't actually need to be virtuous or disciplined. They are perfect just the way they are. This cultural cauldron of individualism, feminism, and consumerism has made so many incapable of seeing beyond their own noses. My friend's young wife had all the best reasons to be a loyal wife and a decent mother, yet she couldn't even make it six fucking months into their marriage without cheating. Would she have cheated if she was raised with a proper moral compass in a culture that practiced proper slut-shaming and social ostracization? I doubt it. If sexual liberation was just consenting adults in private bedrooms enjoying each other's bodies, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But it's actually destroying families and hurting the most innocent. So I will condemn in the strongest terms these fucking degenerate cucks like Aubrey and Chris Ryan promoting this ideology that hurts children for the sake of adults who want to indulge in excessive sexual hedonism. And Aubrey is especially worthy of the label cuck because while he promotes this unnatural lifestyle, he also bows down to feminism and prostrates himself before the soaring pedestal upon which liberalism has placed pussy. You know, if you think about a, a rich, good-looking internet celebrity like Aubrey, he's the kind of guy that really doesn't need to do this sort of thing. Okay, so let's jump a little bit forward here. So surely Aubrey must know this, and he spent so much time diving deep into evolutionary sexual psychology, yet instead of giving his woman the gift of jealousy, he's decided to impose his masculine promiscuity upon her. Why would he subject himself to the mental torture of kissing the lips that he knows were just a few hours prior sucking another man's cock? <laughs> Why the heck would he do that? I think it's because of extreme virtue signaling. It's evident from his podcast that he's ensconced in this extremely progressive lefty world there in Austin, Texas. He broadcasts loudly his extreme egalitarianism. Um, if he gets to sleep with other women, then his girlfriend must sleep with other men too. I really hope the feminists and cultural Marxists of the world are rushing to onit.com with their credit card with their credit cards out to support this man. But I suspect they are not because those those sort of people are not into um, are not into going to the gym and uh, supplements and nootropics, which is what onit.com sells. What's also cucky to me is that Aubrey advocates for this lifestyle without frankly discussing any of its practical downsides. And there are a lot of practical downsides to polyamory and cuckoldry. So Aubrey's girlfriend probably promises him that she uses condoms when she's sleeping around. But really, he has no way of knowing most people stop using condoms after they've had sex three or four times with a new people, with a new person. Especially in Aubrey's cosmopolitan world, condoms are, I'm sure, mostly just a first date thing. Next, the kind of guys that would sleep with a woman in an open relationship are not going to be very virtuous disciplined men. They are going to probably be very promiscuous. So there is huge risk of STDs 
here. There's also that chance that his girlfriend might get pregnant by one of the other guys she's sleeping with, as has happened to numerous other cuck couples. And you can find a bunch of, a bunch of stories about that and how it uh, ruins relationships and ruins marriages when women get pregnant. John, don't you remember that fat, actually obese woman who had like seven or eight oh, God. guys living with her and she was pregnant and she had no idea who the dad was? Oh my gosh, this is one of these viral YouTube clips. I will try to find that and I'll see if I can link it here in this Medium post because they were all so, they were all so unattractive. All of them. They were ugly, a bees or like ridiculously skinny for a man and all of them were like feeding her and taking care of her and they promised to be all of them promised to be a great father for the baby because <laughs> she didn't know who the real baby's daddy was oh my gosh this is why i am now cheering on the coronavirus I'm just, I'm praying every night. I say a little prayer to the Lord, asking that he send the coronavirus to just do its worst so that we can have the, the cleansing fire burn through civilization that we need to, to get things a little bit more back to normal. Ultimately, Aubrey is just about guaranteeing the failure of a future marriage with his girlfriend. And here's why. There's really good data that marrying a girl with, marrying a girl, any girl, with over five sexual partners in her past is tantamount to an inexperienced first-time entrepreneur mortgaging their home to open like an Applebee's franchise. And Applebee's is a really crappy casual dining restaurant. So if you're marrying a girl who has over five sexual partners, that marriage is a near uh, certainty that it's going to be a failure. And, you know, that's why I asked you how many sexual partners we had before we got married. And I was very satisfied with the answer. Yeah, but do you remember that woman on Medium who bragged about having 92 partners before her husband. Yeah, on the internet, on the internet, anyone can say anything. So, unless... She in, was very proud of herself. Yeah, unless, unless people are proving, proving it, it's, it's hard to believe, especially on Medium. It just has so many crazy people there that I would tend to not believe that sort of thing. So I would urge the single guys that are out there, marrying a virginal girl is a lot more like a veteran software developer launching a new app or website. Success is likely. You might not be able to find a virginal woman, or you may fall in love with a great woman who has had a few partners. That's okay, uh, but I would really not take seriously a woman who had over three previous sexual partners. And Aubrey's girlfriend, judging from her very, very cosmopolitan lifestyle that she portrays on Instagram, she probably has three sexual partners over the course of some weekends. Okay, let's get back to a few philosophical points. Burning down civilization is what's happening here. So there's the interview that Aubrey and Chris did. I will link to it and you can go and watch it. And Aubrey reveals that he thinks that Western civilization is pathological and he has some enmity for modern civilization. He thinks we would be better off just kind of running around in the jungle, apparently. Oh, geez. Like Agent Smith in The Matrix, he intimates that humanity, and, and especially Western civilization, especially the civilization that's built by European Christian folks, he, he thinks it's a virus. And clearly, his plan for burning down 
civilization is further stoking the flames of sexual revolution, which I think is just unoriginal and faux-edgy. Postmodernists have been burning down civilization since the 1960s. And congratulations, guys, it is almost all the way burnt down. People like Chris Ryan like to pretend that they are counterculture when their hedonistic, nihilistic, liberal secularism is actually the mainstream culture. And let me repeat that line because it's important. People like Chris Ryan, and there's plenty of other people out there, you're going to run into them, you're going to hear them on podcasts, you're going to run into them at dinner parties and cocktail parties. They like to pretend that they are counterculture when their hedonistic, nihilistic, liberal secularism is actually the mainstream culture. Back in the 1950s, Sex at Dawn could honestly be considered kind of like a subversive, edgy thing. But now it's just further entrenching the hedonistic imperative into the mainstream, which has been the norm for at least three decades now. You know, uh, this polyamory, it's about as cool as um, hula hoops. Or what is, what's, what's another fad that was like a cool thing back in the 19, back in like 1980s? What was another fad that's like really gone out of style now? Like maybe, um, like maybe parachute pants, although parachute pants kind of come back in style. Anyways, I think people are getting, are getting my drift here. These, these people are pretending to be edgy. But it's actually non-edgy. They were 90. And again, I'm not a big fan of this book because the message is just so far from being original or clever. The message is that monogamy is not really in human nature. Yeah. Duh. It should be noted that Chris Ryan practices monogamy with his wife. If he didn't, I'm sure he would brag about it on his numerous podcasts that I listen to. So this is yet another case of a profiteering public intellectual not practicing what they preach. If you explore much of Chris's backstory, it becomes evident that his obsession with this subject is a manifestation of his low sexual market value. He is one of these guys that spent several decades of his life traveling and backpacking around different countries, uh, quote-unquote, finding himself. This is something that gets incorrectly romanticized as a meaningful path to wisdom. I spent the better part of a decade as a nomad myself, and I can tell you that most Western people who do long-term nomadic travel are not finding themselves. They are losing themselves. Let me explain. These are people who have their lives uh, completely oriented around hedonism and novelty. Abroad, they let their health decline. Their bodies and minds are weak. They often succumb totally to vice, drug addiction, and alcoholism. They are suckers for vapid pseudo-spirituality or any self-indulgent narcissistic pursuit. Men obviously travel because they hope to hook up with exotic women, yet few do because they are just not willing to do the work of seduction. Most resort to running a scammy, weaselly, lazy online game, pretending to be musicians or quote-unquote model photographers, or they just screw ho- hookers <laughs> in, in you know, whatever dirty alley that they can find them in whatever third world country that they get uh, budget flights to. And finally, these kind of long-term travelers, 
Some of them are probably decent people. I've met a couple of people that are pretty cool, but most of them, as I'm explaining, they're kind of losers. Most of them don't work. Their discipline and capacity for achievement has totally atrophied. So the, they are sluts. Um, well, so, I mean, some of the women are, but I mean, generally, they're kind of, yeah, just lazy losers. That's how I would typify most uh, long-term travelers. Digital nomads and entrepreneurs are kind of a different story, but... Uh, but just the, the people that travel in Thailand for three months, most of them are total losers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, uh, okay, yeah. Okay, so these are really not people whose advice you should be taking about how to live your life. Chris also reveals in one podcast that his moment of waking up to non-monogamy was a conversation with his stripper roommate in San Francisco. Chris Ryan's discourse totally reminds me of conversations I've had with drunk gringo idiots in beach bars in Panama or other exotic locales where Westerners uh, escape their mundane lives to indulge in a bit of sun, sand, booze, and Colombian white powder. And then I'll share an analogy that I think Aubrey should appreciate. You don't go to the gym because it's pleasurable and a natural leisure activity. Going to the, the gym is the opposite. It's something we do because it is hard Going to the gym is not immediately beneficial. It takes months or years of strenuous effort to see much benefit. Monogamy is analogous on a civilizational scale. It's strenuous and discipline intensive, but in the long term, it's so much better for everybody. And Chris Ryan, you can go and look him up also, look him up on Instagram. He does not look like he goes to the gym much and clearly, he's failing to think philosophically in the long term with what he is advocating. And I'm going to jump down to where I talk about bonobos, because whenever you hear people talking about polyamory, you hear the, the whole bonobo issue brought up. Chris Ryan seems to have a fetish for our evolutionary cousins, bonobos, who are extremely promiscuous. His research indicates that their promiscuity results in them having more tranquil and peaceful societies. And that's kind of interesting, I thought. And that's interesting, but bonobos are fucking animals. They sleep on the ground, they don't wear clothes, they don't have a language, they've never invented anything Call me a human chauvinist, but we are clearly better than bonobos. Chris Ryan observes that apes, in contrast to bonobos, have this sexual winner-take-all hierarchy that is rife with violence in the struggle to be the alpha ape. But he fails to notice that the sexual revolution has created a similar asymmetrical dominance hierarchy in the human sexual marketplace, where the top five or top 10% of men are having almost all the sex. In the past, an average Joe had a chance with an average Jane, but not anymore. Unless the average Joe is in a country like Bulgaria, where we live, that has not been ravaged by feminism. So I'm just saying, shouldn't a real liberal progressive like Chris Ryan be concerned about the stark inequality in the sexual marketplace? And I've got some iconographical imagery illustrating this in my article that you might want to use if you're like in a debate with someone on Facebook about this topic. Um, you can share some of the, the stuff that I've created. It, I don't know, it might might change a mind. 
it's always nice when you can change minds on the internet, isn't it? Okay, on promiscuity, I did the nomadic pickup artist thing for a long while. And yes, it's a lot of fun to be promiscuous and enjoy the sexual variety. But eventually, I reached the point of maturity where I realized that there's more important things in life than making my own dick happy. Even the sexual variety gets repetitive. Once you've slept with a blonde white girl, a curvy black girl, a brown Latina chica, a girl who's really skinny, a girl with a really big round butt, a girl with huge tits, or a woman who is a little bit older one time, sleeping with subsequent women in the same aesthetic or racial category is a pretty similar sexual experience. Their pussies all feel like rubber because I use condoms and their mouths all feel pleasantly warm and wet. The important point is that promiscuity, it really overpromises and under delivers. And as I wrap up this podcast, I think I want to address the libertarian argument because I says yes, absolutely. And I personally have one type, so my wife does it for me. Just one type, man. Brunette, tall, and nice and nice boobs. <laughs> Great. I'm glad you're enjoying. I'm glad well, you're. I'm kind of the same without the tall part. Okay. So the so the chat is uh, devolving into a discussion of female anatomy. <laughs> well, it is it is the internet. That's that's what we should expect. Okay, let me address the libertarian argument that some of you are going to be that some of you are going to be objecting with here. Many who wouldn't personally choose cuckoldry would defend Aubrey's right to be a cuck and even his right to promote cuckoldry. I suppose as a consistent respecter of free speech, I would have to agree, but just because I have the right to make a decision doesn't mean it's a good decision. It needs to be okay to harshly criticize those who spread bad ideas, and the cuckoldry, the polyamory is a really bad idea. And make no mistake, it's very profitable to promote these kinds of bad ideas. Sex really sells. The promise of consequence-free sex is a siren song that appeals to the animal in all of us. Sex at Dawn is just the kind of book that the New York Times and the mainstream media loves to promote. Aubrey elevates his internet celebrity by advocating for something as high valence as cuckoldry that people are going to really love or hate. Aubrey and Chris would probably respond to my criticism saying, hey, we're not recommending cuckoldry and non-monogamy. We're just putting it out there and people can try it if they like. We're not forcing anyone to do anything they wouldn't want to do. It's true that they're not forcing anyone to do anything, but this is the same defense that the drug dealer who sold heroin would use. They would say, I don't recommend heroin to anyone. Actually, I tell people that it's bad, but I make it available and people decide if they want to buy it. An illegal arms smuggler would use a, a similar pseudo-moral defense as well. The illegal arms smuggler, like uh, Nicolas Cage's character in that great movie, the one uh, Lord of War, the one great Nicolas Cage movie that I suggest you, you watch, would make a, a, a pseudo-moral argument that would go something like, you know what, I don't make the African child soldiers fight a war with AK-47s and kill each other and rape villagers. I just provide the AK-47s. And you know, the warlords buy them and they can use them however they want. I'm just serving the market. And there's good reasons that neither of these defenses would hold up in a court of law. 
the drug dealer and the arms dealer would both be sent to jail for a long time. Hopefully. Chris and uh, Chris and Aubrey are conveniently ignoring the significant moral hazard of what they are promoting. And I, I think we can have a bit more of a moral world if we can if we can all try to avoid moral hazard. And it requires thinking in a little bit more principled way. It requires thinking outside of of just what's going to make you more money or or promote you to greater algorithmic celebrity on the internet. I would urge all the entrepreneurs out there, I would urge all the artists out there to try to just steer far clear of moral hazard as opposed to flirting with moral hazard. And finally, so in conclusion, I'm going to urge everyone to reject cuckoldry and polyamory. I've made a strong case here that cuckoldry is a bad decision for almost everyone. I'm trying to think of I, I'm trying to think of anything that is good for you or your family or society that makes you viscerally sick and angry and I can't come up with anything. You know the things that are good for you, that are good for your family, that are good for your friends group, the things that are good for your city, the things that are good for your country, the things that are good for everyone are the things that make us typically, typically that make us feel good about ourselves. They're not usually the things that we have a, a visceral reaction to, like, like, like Aubrey is describing cuckoldry causes, and everyone else who talks about it says the same thing, that there's a visceral reaction of disgust that has to be overcome to actually do this polyamory thing. So I would say that if your mind and body have an autonomic reaction of disgust to something, that's a pretty good sign that it's unhealthy. Don't do it, guys. I, I hope I've uh, dissuaded a couple of people because I got married a while back. I've been in a monogamous relationship for quite a while. After I had spent about 10 years being pretty promiscuous. And the monogamy thing, if you do it smart, if you do it in a thoughtful way, if you read the books about it, if you select very carefully, if you select a really good person, if you have some good values in common, the monogamy thing really is so much better than doing the promiscuous thing.